are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in today on the CRTV podcast for free, available on iHeart, iTunes, and Stitcher. My name is Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with us as well. We'd love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And speaking of... The Steve Day Show, we just wrapped up the television version on CRTV. Let's give the audience a preview of what's to come here today. Aaron, I'll start with you. What's your clickbait? Jim Backer says, this will happen to you if you don't stop making fun of him. You mean Jim Baker, but yes. Yeah, he doesn't deserve to have his name. I see what you did there. I like that. I like- what about you, Todd? What stood out to you? Uh, the press is terrible. Uh, proven once again... Uh, great work by uh, Project Veritas uh, once again. Uh, I, I never fail to be impressed at the doggedness with which uh, he pursues his work. Uh, with uh, You really have to be patient. And it's the exact opposite of the journalism he's going after, and rightly so. Uh, just bravo. It takes patience. It takes hard work. Uh, yeah, And, of course, he's being criticized as the guy who isn't the real journalist. The exact opposite is true, and he's pointing at all the frauds, and you're going to enjoy this. Mm. Well, that's enticing. So if you can't wait to watch it today, the good news is use promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E. You can get a discounted subscription to CRTV today, and not just for us, Phil Robertson, Mark Levin, the great one, the entire staff, entire team here at CRTV. We have monthly subscription options as well as a free trial period. So if you sign up in in the middle of that trial period to decide, you know, this isn't for me, you can cancel at any point during the trial period and not be charged with anything. So CRTV.com, promo code DACE, CRTV.com, promo code D-E-A-C-E. Well, we are winding down, winding down. We have two weeks left. We have next week, and then the following week is the conclusion, the the look back, the overview. But we've been doing this since January now, and it's the series we call Americanism 101. And we did it in two stages. And the first stage was to define America. What is it? You know, Chesterton famously said it's the only nation ever founded on a creed. I agree. Well, then we have to define what is that creed. And we went through that first phase. There is a God, the only living God, the God of the Bible. Our rights come from him and not government. And therefore, government's primary function and reason for being is the protection and preservation of those God-given rights. Okay, well, now that we have a creed, now we need to know how do we do it? How do we live out what we believe? And so what's the framework that we now build upon this foundation? And for that, we've been going through Cleon Skousen's great book, The 5,000-Year Leap, about the making of America, essentially. What's, what's, what's the Constitution's very essence? What is its DNA? And its DNA are these 28 principles, and we have two left, one of which we'll get to here today. 
And so for the last few months, each week we have been looking at one of these principles. And this week we're on principle number 27 out of 28. The burden of debt is as destructive to freedom as subjugation by conquest. The burden of debt is as destructive to freedom as subjugation by conquest. Do we really believe that? No. I don't think we do. Do you believe? I mean, let's be real. Do the three of us really believe it first? I mean, this sounds theoretically true, but we have been propped up by a debt consolidation economy my entire life. I'm 44 years old now. And, you know, we create jobs. We still create more wealth than any, any other nation on earth does. Right? But so you, maybe this one's outlived its usefulness. Well, the uh, the, uh, Mr. Ramsey called, and uh, he would like to have your, uh, your, your ID for, for making that type of statement. <laughs> well, argue against it. I mean, let's look at Aaron's generation who not only, like our generation, Todd, has not lived in a world where this has actually been true or has thought to have been true, they haven't been taught this at all, right? Correct. So this is a foreign, this isn't even a, it's, for us, it's a foreign concept. For his generation, it's foreign, it's a foreign language. Well, why can't I? Why can't I just, when, we, when Amy and I first got married, she had really good credit, I did not. And the reason I didn't have good credit is some of the decisions I made when I was in college where they hand out credit card applications to you along with, you know, coupons for dollar picture night. So you just keep signing up. Also, I had my own, some people in my family take, abuse my last name and some other things to get things that their credit wasn't good for that shot mine. So she had good credit and I did not. Some of it was my fault. Some of it was not. Sears used to run these ads in the newspaper on Sunday. They used to have a, you know, now it's 90 days, same as cash. And we didn't, but 20 years ago, it was called a Sears Charge Plus card. And, you know, they'd run these ads. Big screen TV, go to Sears, cost you 10 bucks a month if you finance it. So, I mean, we did all of that. And, you know, of course, we weren't really taught how this worked, what interest rates really are. How often when we go and buy a car, do we ask what it actually costs? How often when we buy a car, what is it that we ask? And I do this sometimes even now. You know, I have, and, and right now, we have put ourselves in a position where the only debt we have are our remaining student loans. We keep one credit card for emergencies. And when you travel, you really, and you can't rent a car, you know, you can't really do anything out of state anymore on cash, the way the system works. We can't get hotel rooms or anything like that. So we have one basic credit card. Amy, Amy has a credit card for like some women's store. I don't know what it's called. And, um, and we have, I mentioned our student loans. We have a car loan and we have a mortgage. Everything, when you walk into our house, you go down to my man cave, I paid cash for all of that. Because I learned my lesson from what I'm telling you right now. Because I kind of thought, well, 10 bucks a month, I can't afford that. But then, you know, what you don't realize is you're going to pay that $10 a month um, until Jesus comes back. And if the TV breaks down, you're still paying that 10 bucks a month. Right? So nobody taught me this, though. And even now, when I try to pay cash for as many things as I possibly can, because, you know, I... I, list, I, I read a Dave Ramsey book once, all right? Even now, when I go buy a new car, 
the sales guy doesn't come to me and say, what's your price range you're looking at? What does he say, guys? How much can you afford a month? Yeah, what's your month, what kind of monthly payment are you looking at? This is the culture in which we live. Maybe this isn't true anymore. What do you think? Oh, I think it's absolutely true. And we talk about it all the time. Time on this show. Are, are we the people, our own masters anymore? Not even close. And debt is one way where we've become insane. Uh, the debt ceiling, we believe that that is now an untouchable. It is now irresponsible right. to be in less debt as a nation. So I think he's absolutely right. I mean, we are living in the idiocracy. The fact that we don't know, don't understand, don't care about that is a moot point. It's about the truth. It's about reality. Are we enslaved every bit as much as we were, as we would be? Hey, a benevolent dictator might just come in and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to have some rules around here. I'm the boss. You're not. But you know what? I kind of like a clean sheet, and you guys are crazy. I'm going to knock down some of this debt, and we're going to get a little lean here. Could you imagine that? I could. So, yeah, I'm absolutely on board with this. And it doesn't matter what we think or feel about it. It's true. I think you're actually making my point for me. Understand the point I'm making is not what I think, what I would like the world to no, I'm not to arguing against at. you. Yeah. I know you're not. I know you're not. I'm, I'm acknowledging what the world actually is. So, I mean, it's dangerous to tell young married couples... I mean, Amy, Amy and I thought we were going to have the same standard of living our parents had, not r- realizing how they worked for 20 years to get, you know, their first home and all those. We were just going to do all those things right away, made a whole bunch of dumb choices and took years of paying off all these debts to get there, okay, to where we are now. Um, and even in the house we live in now, we've lived there 11 years. We bought our first home after I had spent years paying off a bunch of our debts and repairing. We we had spent years paying off a bunch of our debts and repairing our credit. We bought that. We bought a house that we and the plan was to live in this house for five to six years. The first house we bought, and then I was reading several articles about a coming housing bubble, and you know, um, we just have had now a second kid, and now this house really isn't as big as nice it, 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 was, it was a three bedroom or two bedroom house three if you counted one that was kind of not a bedroom but they kind of counted it as such so now we're like if we're going to keep having kids and our plan at this point in our marriage was to have five six seven kids it wasn't until after we had noah and she nearly died that the her our OBGYN, you know was like hey i'm catholic i don't believe in birth control but i'd highly suggest you guys not have any more kids because i'm not sure you will survive honey is what he told us you know so um i'm reading these articles about this housing bubble so i made the decision let's sell the house we're in now after being in here only three years and go buy the next house now because i made an analysis that if we did not do that we might not get out of this one for 10 years. Well, so we probably took on more debt. Well, I know we took on more debt than we should have to be in the house that we're on now. We, the house we're in now, we afford fine now. We weren't necessarily affording it very well 11 years ago. But what ended up happening within two years after we bought that house in 2006, what happened? Yeah. The housing bubble happened. Hey, I so, bought a house a year after you, man. So you know what I'm talking yes. about. Yes. So 
that was the one time the one time since we really got convicted by Dave Ramsey about our debt early in our marriage that we took a risk that we weren't sure we could afford and but we decided with 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 debt but we decided to do it on the basis of our analysis of what we thought was going to happen in the market if we did not we just did it. so basically we didn't do it fly by night we're well, we need a bigger we did a risk assessment and decided the the potential risk of what would happen if we couldn't afford this house is greater than if the market blows up and we're stuck here and it ended up working out for us actually you know we 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 overbought what we could probably afford 11 years ago and now you know i had i did a refi last year we had it um reassessed and you know in 10 years we've made over seventy-five thousand dollars in equity in that house because we live as you guys know by the new mall and how the values over there blew up so for the first couple years we were kind of like yeah well we're not going to the movies that much anyway because the kids are small (laughs) okay now it's turned out in the in the rearview mirror it's been a tremendous investment that we made but at the time it was kind of skittish um, and we had kind of vowed we weren't going to do that anymore. We just decided this situation was worth it, and it worked out. But if we're going to live in a culture where the politicians are going to take our money off the top and then turn around and say when it comes time to cut our taxes, well, we can, take, we can, we can grow the debt whenever we want and just print more money, but when it comes time to give you more of your fake money yeah. back, it has to be revenue neutral, then, then let's, say, let's say Aaron is, gets married in the next year. Make the case to him and his, whoever his prospective wife would be, make the case to them that, no, you know, don't buy a house you can't afford. Don't buy a nicer car than you probably need. Don't go to, you know, don't go to Best Buy and, you know, and do 12 months same as cash. Make the case to them when 35 to 50% of his paycheck, every single, every fist that I hand him on the 1st to the 15th of every month here at our company, it's just taken right off the top by a bunch of politicians who say they can then even print more money we don't actually have whenever we just need to spend, we need to go further into debt. Tell, make that case to them then. No, you guys hold off living a nice life while the politicians take half of what you worked, what you slaved for, working for Steve Days for 50 hours or more a week, and, and you, you suffer while we print more of your money. Make that case to them. Do it, Todd. Do it. Well, it's impossible, and even if it was possible, Aaron's generation... It really doesn't want to hear it anyways. And this has been uh, laid up both within uh, economics, within the workplace. That's the one thing millennials are primarily known for. They they do not believe in waiting their turn. And I don't mean that as a pejorative about, you know, kind of paying your dues and working your way up to that point. No, it's all now, now, now. That's one of the uh, fundamental issues. And I want to go back to what you said, Steve. What you described, there isn't a modern issue with you and you, uh, your wife having to make that uh, calculation. You just described, you know, Ma and Pa in Little House on the Prairie. Do we move from wherever they were to Minnesota or Minnesota? Yeah, they passed this home, Lincoln passed this yeah. Homestead Act. Yes. Do we we go try That's to be timeless. free rangers and grab some land and then risk whatever we have now? Right. Is that kind of what you're describing? Right, which yeah. which is healthy. Uh, there, there's nothing wrong with that. What you described though with what the government doing? I mean, the government's state of being is a con, and the con is against us. And we, that's what's amazing. It's against us, and we participate in it willingly through a notion that we want to be taken care of. That the life that Steve just got done talking about, or Ma and Pa Ingalls are engaged in, that, that, come on, that's just too hard. Aren't we, aren't we beyond that? Aren't we beyond that sweat equity? I'm born, I deserve this. Come on, and, and, and you have a little bit more. 
can I have a little bit of that? I mean, we're all friends here, you know, except when you think something that I don't agree with. I mean, so this is how it's nothing short of a form of insanity, Steve, which is come full circle. Yes, we are enslaved by our own hand instead of a foreign dictator. Couldn't say any any better than that. And I think your observations about the millennial generation are largely uh, true. I mean, not to indict myself or anything, but especially about um, uh, the, the, this bill of goods that they've been sold, really. And I'm not trying to make it sound like we're uh, like we're victims here, but the bill of goods that we've been sold is that you can be anything you want. Anytime you want, you can have whatever you want, anytime you want, and somebody else is going to subsidize it for you. That's that's basically, at, you know, at worst, and I'm giving you a worst case scenario, that's basically what we've been sold, and that's, uh, gosh darn it, that's what we're going to get. A few years ago, when I was just starting out making the transition from local sports talk to local news talk, um, I angered some of my conservative friends because I took the position of being for what are called project labor agreements. Do you guys know what those are? Yeah, I remember that argument. Remember that argument? Yeah. Okay. Boy, you and I do go back a long way. Um, Project labor agreements are laws that states with heavy influences pass that that essentially forbid non-union contractors from low-ball bidding. This is at the heart of building the Wells Fargo Arena. Yes. That that forbid non-union contractors from low-ball outbidding uh, union contractors. Okay. Well, Steve, you're a capitalist. You're a free marketer. Why would you be? Why would you be for these? And I made the argument. That's exactly why I'm for these. I, don't get me wrong. I think the concept is totally is, is, is wrong. But and this is what made him mad. What made him mad was not that I violated conservative orthodoxy. Very seldom will you make Republicans mad violating conservative orthodoxy, guys. You make them mad by upholding conservative orthodoxy. You followed it wherever it led? Yes. Yes. What'll make them mad is when you call them on their own horse pucky of violating conservative orthodoxy. My argument was this. So we're going to give, and we we give Microsoft like $10 million in tax credits at this time for like 17 or yes, 20 jobs. Sweet. Yeah, great okay. yesterday. Remember yeah. this? All right. And I'm like, so we're out there handing out candy corn to corporate America. We set up this film office in Iowa. You guys remember that story? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that just got rape pillaged and plundered <laughs> yes. for, with movies that were never made. Remember I, all this? Iowa was going to be the next Hollywood. Yes. Oh, this you was, believe that, this guys? Was, this, right? this was all going on at that time. Okay, so I'm like, you Republicans are setting up all these stuff for your corporatist donor buddies, and you're calling it economic development. And then you want to turn around and say, then go hire a bunch of illegal aliens to do these jobs or people that will do them for subsistence level wages at the same time. So a lot of the people that are paying the taxes and the freight, because Iowa has, by law, has as you go budgeting, meaning the budget by law must be balanced in Iowa every year. And you know why we have that law? Because Terry Branstead, who just retired as Iowa governor because he was appointed by Trump to be the Chinese ambassador, when he was originally governor in the early 80s, destroyed our budget with deficit spending, kept two sets of books and lied about it. Um, He was great. His own Republican state comptroller went after him at, at the time. Because he was handing out, they were, they, we were trying to dig out of the farm crisis in Iowa, 
And so he is trying to replace the farm crisis with all these corporate goodie bags and incentives to bring all these other corp- his corporatist buddies in here and, you know, hand out to his own donors. Let's not, let's not, you know, let's keep it real here, yo, okay? And his own, uh, Richard J- Dick Johnson, his own state auditor at the time, is like, uh, yeah, this is check kiting by government. And the Republican legislature made him sign a law that you now have to balance the budget. We, they can't leave a legislative session in Iowa without a balanced budget. They can't do it by law. And that's because of what our, the profit gets spending, pardon me, of our Republican governor. And the first way that he had to, he had to balance the budget, by the way, is, is the largest tax increases in the state's history, which, of course, made the farm crisis of the 80s better or worse, do you think? Made it worse. Because now property taxes and everything else go up. You're already struggling with that farmland. Because if you have a, if if the commodity being grown on these farms or the or the livestock being nurtured on these farms lose value, then what's the real most valuable thing of the farm? Really, what is it? Land. The land. Well, if you if the property taxes skyrocket, what does that do to the overall value of the land? Down. Down. It's not as that's not as worth it to me now. I'm paying a toll on top of what I'm already paying to to buy the land. And this state was in a real economic quandary throughout the entire 80s because of what went down here. So you mean to, so my argument was, you mean to tell me you're going to tell all these union guys that are already losing their jobs to illegal aliens because you guys won't do a damn thing about illegal immigration. Iowa became a huge haven for illegal immigration because what are the kinds of jobs you find in an agribusiness state? Meat processing? Field work? Where do we, where or do we see the highest prevalence of illegal alien employee infiltration? These kinds of jobs, along with landscaping and those kinds of things. So we're already seeing illegals take all these food processing jobs. So you're going to tell these union guys that want to, and when I said union guys, I'm not talking about AFSME. I'm not talking about the teacher unions. I'm talking about, you know, drywallers, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. I'm talking about those guys, okay? So you're going to tell them they don't get their jobs, they lose their jobs to illegal aliens. On top of that, their taxes go to hand out goodies to corporate America so that they will, create, they will bring jobs in that these guys who, who are losing their jobs to illegal aliens aren't skilled and qualified to do. And, there's, and frankly, when, when it's $10 million to Microsoft for 25 jobs, it's really not worth going to ITT Technical Institute and taking out a loan at a junior college for one of 25 jobs you're not going to get. It's one thing if it's one of 200 jobs, but it's 25 jobs. There's no justice in that. So if you guys get to steal... And you guys, if, if, if corporate America who does not need the money, we, Iowa's the capital of the health insurance industry. Wells Fargo doesn't need the money, guys. Principal doesn't need the money, guys. So if, if you're, you're going to tell me Wells Fargo and principal gets to rape, pillage, and plunder the treasury, then I'll be damned if the little guy doesn't get his cut too. Oh, they did not like that. See, I wasn't arguing for project labor agreements. I was arguing against their crony capitalism and hoist and showing the fallacy of, the, of, of what they were actually doing. This is a scam. It's a shell game they were running. They were playing three-card Monty with the budget. And every time I made this argument, I was always clear. I want everybody's hands out of the cookie jar. Everybody gets their hands out. 
And I'm pretty confident if everybody's hands are out of the cookie jar and we enforce our immigration laws, that the guys, that our guys that do the work are probably better than the illegal aliens we're shipping in, and they'll eventually beat them in the, in, in the free market of, idea, free market of, of skills. In, in the free marketplace. But we, do we have a free marketplace in this situation? No. no, we're not enforcing the immigration law and we're letting corporate America rape, pillage, and plunder the, the, the taxpayer at the same time. So it's not a fair market. So if it's not going to be a fair and it's not going to be a regulated market, you're damn right you're giving the little guy his fair share. Thank you. I got some applause there. Or was that a type? Or did something? We'd have a pop-up. I, uh, I, I'm sorry. I thought you were giving me an applause line. You know, um, should have just gone with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm prepping stuff over <laughs> here. I'm engaged, and it just happened. It just happened to be okay. Well, the good point. I understand. That's the same point that I am making here. If we're going to be a debtor nation, now I'm not advocating being a debtor nation. Am I? Am I in a position of stopping us from being a debtor nation? Quite no, certainly now. No, I can't stop it from happening. So if we are going to be a debtor nation, now make the case to me then. It's, it's the argument we had about the fake Obamacare repeal earlier this year. Well, the original plan was we keep the individual mandate and we were going to get rid of which mandate? Corporate. The corporate employer mandate. Still uh, the best idea ever. Hell to the no on that. And if we're only doing one, frankly, you have it the other way around, actually. It should be get rid of them both. But if we're only going to do one, you have it the other way around, actually. We put emphasis on individual rights in America, not corporate rights. You know who puts emphasis on corporate rights, whether they be corporations or classes and groups of people? The people who go on national television and and complain when Roy Moore says our rights come from God, that's who. I'll be damned if I'm signing on to that, too. No, I'm not. So I go back to my original question of we're not going to demand the government lives within its means. Why in the world would we demand the American families who do all the living and dying around here live within theirs? Why would we demand that? Where's the justice in that, Todd? Can you tell me? No, which is why I make my claim once again. We're every bit as enslaved now. It, does, it doesn't matter if we're not being, you know, cracked with a, a whip on our, our back or being... Uh, in put into forced labor camps i mean we this is a intellectual and emotional slavery we are under and and that's the point we're trying to make we are if we have a government that is supposed to operate after you decide that this is uh, a, a god-ordered world how is this government supposed to run who who are the stewards we the people you say this time and time again if that is no longer functional and it is so clear it is not. You are enslaved. And you are lying to yourself. Well, Steve, if they make better decisions, there's some truth. Yeah, if they make some good decisions, they'll avoid some of those things. No question about it. But we are rapidly approaching the point. And, and, and if, we, if we aren't rapidly approaching it, it's because we've already arrived. And this is something we've actually talked about as a, as a staff off the air. We are either at the point or rapidly approaching it when we are the fools in the room. As, as the Beatles once sang in Magical Mystery Tour, we're the fool on the hill. Okay? Because soon the, the music will stop playing at the welfare state musical chairs store, guys. Soon the, soon the door will be shut. There will be no more room at the end. 
When the music stops, will we have a chair to sit in? Those of us actually holding out for limited government are about to become the losers of history. Well, Steve, that's not true because Ron Paul told me about natural business cycles. I have a lot of respect for Ron Paul. He's wrong. Oh, not about natural business cycles, but about the fact that they still apply. They don't. That's why we created the whole Federal Reserve and fake economies in the first place was to not have natural business cycles. That's why people are too big to fail. That's why we have a fiat currency. Well, Steve, sooner or later, the natural laws of economics take hold. Maybe. Except the natural laws of of economics never really accounted for something. You know what that is? Everybody else violating the natural laws of economics at the same time. There's even been world powers that didn't have nuclear weapons like we do, but they had cannonballs, weapons of mass destruction in their day and age. And eventually, if they spent themselves into oblivion, what happened to them? Ultimately, how did we beat the Soviet Union, Todd? How did we beat them? Economically, we drove them into the ground. We we, we, we had a multi-tier front. We had a pope who would actually take a, a, take morally righteous stands because he had grow, he had seen communism take over in his own country. So we had them on a moral wherewithal. We fought them on a moral level. We needed all three. That's why there's been several great books written about Thatcher and Pope John Paul and Reagan working in concert. But the but the money shot, the kill shot, they, all those three things were needed to ultimately defeat the Soviet Union. But make no mistake, the kill shot was. The diversification of our capitalistic economy versus their command economy. When we decide we will outspend you, they could not keep up. It's like when Alabama decides, you know what? Our guys are just bigger and stronger than yours. Why are we throwing the ball 35 times? We're just going to line up and ram it down your throats. And almost every time when they do that, what happens? They win. It's just a matter of what is the final score because your guys aren't as big and fast as theirs. Well, they tried. They tried to keep up with us. They could not. Because the economy, their economy could not replenish itself at the rate ours could. But here in this era, we have something we have never had before in world history. Every nation is in on this. China is the, is the one nation on earth that can compete with us economically and militarily. In past eras, they'd be calling in the note. So, they, so that they could go to Washington, D.C. and plant the Chinese flag and make us speak Chinese and marry our women. Why aren't they doing that? It's not in their own self-interest. It's not in their own self-interest. You know why? Because even though they've got a billion people, we have more middle-class people than they do. So Sony and, and, and Toshiba, well, that might actually be, those are Japanese companies, but you know what I'm trying to say. They can make, you know, it's, it's what Zoe said to me once, how come everything's made in, made in China? Not everything's made in China, just everything we buy is, <laughs> all right? So the way it works now is treason never prospers. What's the reason? Because whenever treason prospers, none dare call it treason. It's not in their self-interest to call in the note because if they plant their flag in downtown Washington, right there on Constitution Avenue or, the, or, on, or on Potomac Avenue, um, if they do that, it all goes away. It all goes away. And then they have to t- they got to cover all the costs. Right. They got to govern all these people. Right. Instead, this is the best of both worlds. They rent the house out. And someone else pays the freight. Someone else is paying the light bill. Someone else does someone else paints the walls. Someone else is someone else is taking care of it. I just collect a rent rent rent. rent. I'm just collecting a rent check. And I don't have to take care of your middle class. I don't have to take care of your elderly. I don't have to do any of that. And you buy all the goods I make, which allows me to militarily and economically compete with you. Look at when you go to the gas pump. When you go to the gas pump, what happens? 
whatever you're not sending to government in taxes, you're sending to, since there's not too many American petroleum companies left, you're sending it to the Islamic world. You fund, we, we just, we spent the entire post 9-11 war on terror era funding both sides of the war. In World War II, what did we do? Did we import, did Mercedes, we import Mercedes Benz to build our tanks in World War II? Did we do that? No. Why didn't we do that? Uh, they were a German company. We didn't want their stuff. So we made our people ration their metal, ration their aluminum. Why? Because our military needed our stuff and we manufactured our own. Do we do that anymore? In fact, when we went to war in Iraq, George W. Bush told us to go shopping at Walmart and Target. We got this guns and butter. We'll take it from here. And OPEC may hate us, and they're taking our money, and they're giving it to Hamas, Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda, pick a group. Islamic Jihad, CARE, Muslim Brotherhood. They're funneling some of it there. But they're never, we're never going to have gas lines again, guys. Never. It's never going to be Summer of Sam again. Never happening again. Why? Because while they'll take our money and funnel it to jihadists that will try to kill us. We're buying their oil, guys. You know you're describing the Matrix. Yeah, this is the mob. What this is this this is this is where this is where you go from mafia families to a crime syndicate. This is where you go from gangs to La Cosa Nostra. Why are we fighting? This is this is the first forty-five minutes of The Godfather. We get together. You guys have the Upper East Side. You have all of them. And we just split the freight, man. Share the risk, split the freight. There's shared risk everywhere. No one has an incentive to call us on our own BS. Why won't we support the Kurds in the Middle East? when they have been on the right side every time we've asked. Why? Because by giving them their own country, it would upset Iran and would upset Turkey, which by th- which and then would turn upset what? The very shared mutual economic vested interest we all have. The mutually assured destruction. See, too big to fail didn't start on Wall Street. It started in our geopolitical system. I won't hit you if you don't hit me because there's really no incentive for us to hit each other because nobody gains anything. Saddam Hussein upset that when he went into Kuwait. He upset the balance of power, the world order. That's what George W. Bush was referring to, not, you know end times prophecy what he was referring to was damn gas is 250 a gallon now it was a buck 65 last week what changed oh saddam hussein went to kuwait he's upset the he's upset the marketplace the balance of power here we can't have that and so ultimately we will we will while we ban the funding of abortion through American tax dollars overseas, we will look the other way while China has a one-child policy and give them most favored nation status. China, in turn, will never call in all the debt that, that, that we have to them, 
because by doing so, it takes away the largest consumer base for their manufactured goods that they have. And we just go, this is something the natural, this, this system was done to circumvent the natural law of economics. It was created to do this. No one will come along and, and blow this up. This also ties into why there's so much hesitancy about calling Islamic radicalism Islamic radicalism. Because several of the key players here are countries of an Islamic bent. This is the progressive Council on Foreign Relations view of foreign policy. Mutually assured destruction, so there's never, there's no, there's never any real cataclysmic events. Now, that sounds great. Sooner or later, the natural laws of human morality come forth and, and you get jihadists. Human nature will eventually find itself out. It will eventually, evil will find a way. And that's what throws all of this into a quandary. This is why on a given year, we're not sure, is Assad our friend or do we need to do regime change? And it's because we have these unstable elements. In this case, it's Islamic jihadists. Unstable elements arise that upset the mutually assured destruction. And the mutually vested interests aren't as clear-cut anymore. Thoughts, Todd? Well, uh, you, you mentioned evil finds a way economically as well. The, the housing bubble, as you already pointed out, is a case in point. There, uh, You've heard me use my uh, philosophy about... Um, a lot of our mistakes take longer to be found out because of my gated community theory. You know, we just there is a and now China's bought into that. You can you can get away with doing this kind of Rube Goldberg hybrid a lot longer um, by keeping people. Uh, 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 that's why I mentioned the matrix. Matrix addicted to their uh, delusions. We prefer. To be taken care of. Uh, that is antithetical to everything of our founding. Yes. Whether it's... Uh, we go idiocracy. Yeah. Feed fast, you know, just feed people junk food, porn, cheap sex, recreation, everything up. Because the flesh likes those things and we're less inclined to kill and destroy each other if, we're, if, our, if our sensualities are being fed. That, that was the theory behind bringing democracy to the Middle East. What we did not anticipate is that... So you guys don't want Kentucky Fried Chicken, right. Britney Spears, and our internet. That, that's what we didn't. We figured that if we let them in on the on the delusions we are self-deluding ourselves with everywhere else in the world, they would buy into it as well. I mean, the porn culture in Japan, and I am not a sexual prude by any state, stretch of the imagination. If anything, I probably should be more of one, frankly. The porn culture is so is so is so concentrated and submerged in Japan their birth rates are plummeting they're going to be down 30 million people by 2060 by 2060 is is an estimate i read last week and it's because guys are like women scare me i don't want to be rejected and you know what i got all, everywhere else i can go with porn and prostitution to be sexually satisfied i don't want to have to put up with a family and dealing with you know your psychosis or daddy didn't love you enough and you don't think you're pretty anymore that's what they're literally saying in these articles i don't want to deal with that mm -hmm. i don't want I, I you want that you may not i asked a girl to a dance once she rejected me i never got that's yeah. all those incentives are being removed and 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 what we didn't count on is in that part of the world, they wouldn't take the bait. 
they have a that they have a level of conviction for their idolatry that yes. outpaces our level of conviction for ours. And that's the final place I was going to go, that even when we do get a wake-up call within that gated community, like the housing bubble bursting, we have the next level of Rube Goldberg machines. We have Rube Goldberg machines for our Rube Goldberg machines. And we, we said, oh, well, you know, that's a corporate greed. Uh, when it comes to the uh, the uh, porn thing and the drop of the culture, then we say, well, you know, we, there's too many people on the planet anyways, and this is a good thing. I mean, we are so addicted to our lies right now. And honestly, I think you're better off. I mean, this is why ultimately the the nature of the devil in the garden it, it's not fire breathing uh pitchfork guy it's it's just a liar it, it, it is it, you're better you're almost better off being addicted to crack than the lies that you've come because at the heart of addiction to act, uh, crack is a lie it is that 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 pleasure is better than the god-given pleasures of this world uh, we are the idiocracy is really it, the movie is fun and it's farcical but it's it's not because we can become just dumb at the level of crow magnon man it's because it's when we are dumb but we've got the smartest most educated populace in the history of man and we've convinced a way to lie to ourselves over and over and over again and feel really proud about it extremely well said Todd I mean the most uh, it, this this conversation is taking me back to uh, Paul Harvey's if I were the devil um, uh, monologue for one of his shows which is I listened to that uh, um, after recently reading through I think we were going through a nefarious plot for Worldview Wednesday hmm. uh, and I listened to if I were the devil and it's very much in the same vein um, if I were the devil I would uh, basically transform western culture into everything everything that we see right now in culture it's almost done and this is another one of those areas debt is just a we we have this propensity in our minds to separate anything economic from uh, uh speaking or talk about morality Economics is the most is one of the most moral issues of our times, and yet we think um, fiscal and social are two completely different things. They're not, and it's clear. And this is this is. I mean, I'm talking to myself here um, as much as anybody. It's clear that we don't have our morality in order with anything in our culture, especially. Uh, when it comes to debt, and it has tentacles that reach into every single area of our lives. Yes. What's happened with the welfare state is we figured out a way to make bondage not come across as oppressive. As freedom. Yes. You're exactly right. In fact, we're, we, we are now crack dealers. We're Dr. Feelgood here. I was just watching yeah. John Oliver 
um, who is one of those late night hosts and I actually enjoy because he actually takes issues and looks at them for 20 or 30 minutes and his conclusions are often wrong but he's very entertaining while he does that but I watched his interview with Edward Snowden and Snowden said something like that as well he said and this is talking about um, security versus liberty Mm -hmm. and he said the only time you're going to have perfect security is when you're in prison and john oliver said yeah i agree with you but do you think we're actually capable of having that conversation in our country and snowden didn't have an answer that's i think that's where we're at with with this conversation as well that's going to do it for today on our podcast hopefully we gave you something to think about here today on americanism 101 don't forget to join us on crtv Promo code DACE if you want to take advantage of that. If you've never subscribed to us before, and you won't just get our show, but all the shows at CRTV. Promo code DACE. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.